This is the PropTech VC Podcast. We give you unique insights into how innovative technologies are disrupting real estate. We interview top entrepreneurs, investors, and knowledgeable experts to share the inside scoop in this fast-moving industry. It's hosted by leading PropTech VC, Zane Jaffer. Let's dive into today's content. Yeah, and I think having that, and there's a segue into our next sort of final topic, because uh, I'm, I'm deeply curious of being a founder myself, and you know, you, you've been a serial founder with some great successes behind you. But uh, before I do that, security is one of those needs we have that is difficult to solve today. There's a reason why many people sleep with a loaded gun underneath their bed. There's a reason why people go and buy very scary attack dogs to protect their properties and to have technology take that worry away from you is a groundbreaking proposition. And it feels like when you build a company, you can either do it the old school way, which is look at target market size, look at what competitors do and try to build something better or do something that fundamentally changes the game and reinvents the paradigm where that isn't about features, but it's about what impact that has on the core problem, preventing crime mm-hmm. before it happens, for example. Um, so the segue uh-huh. here is, how the hell do you find the energy after you know being in tech for so long, company after company, and in this company you're still giving everything you have? Something I wonder about. You know, I, I had, a, had a big exit too, and uh, you get a little bit lazy after a while. And being an investor is very easy. It's, it, it's a part-time job, right? I, I also, though, very often, and maybe I think I'll eventually do a company because you know it's just in your blood. But talk to us through sort of the serial founder here who's wiser now, how, how are you running Deep Sentinel? Are you putting your life and 24 hours into it or do you have a balance? Boy, that's a deep question. Um, let me answer the, the direct part of the question first, which is like, do I have balance? I do. Um, and uh, it's, it's critical to me that I take my daughter to school every morning. It's critical that I have dinner with my family every day. Um, I, I have really clear boundaries in my life that are, I need to make sure that I've got two little girls and I got my wife. I've got to make them first, right? Getting a divorce because of a company and changing the course of my life. Uh, that's not an acceptable outcome for me. Now, how do I make that work at, at Deep Sentinel? I'll, I'll provide two kind of perspectives on that. Um, and, and they're mine, right? Like there's people that are way more successful than me too, right? That, that may have a different perspective. So like, keep that in mind, right? Like I don't think Elon Musk knows the names of his children, right? And he's much more wealthy than I am. Maybe he does. Um, but I'll bet you if you asked him to name them quickly, he'd screw up, right? Like that. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and so, you know, again, this is, this is one man's perspective. So my, my first one is that I think boundaries can make you a lot stronger. Think about building a product from an engineering perspective. Boundaries are the constraints that you decide you want to operate under. And then you, and then you maximize within those boundaries and they force you to innovate. They force you to be creative. They force you to solve hard problems that if you could just break those boundaries, you'd avoid the problem. You'd run away, right? Like I'll just, you know, I have no budget. So therefore I'll write this really inefficient SQL query that takes forever. And that's a bad building block ultimately for the other things that you want to do as a business. And we know that technically, if you have a bunch of bad queries inside of your, your, uh, your underlying backend, eventually that's going to break everything. And, and eventually it will stop you from doing things that you want 
to do. It'll stop you from progressing on the business. It'll stop you from innovating. So that's number one is that I believe that you can use boundaries intelligently um, to make you better, make you more robust. I use my boundaries to define how I manage my staff. I'm much more crystal clear with my staff about, especially my direct reports. Here's where I'm available. Here's where I'm not available. Here's what I need you to do. And I am going to dedicate 100% of my effort to making sure that you're successful in my delegations because I don't want to be picking up the pieces because one of my boundaries is I can't be picking up the pieces for all of my direct reports because I have to make sure that I'm spending time with my family. When I didn't have to do that, I would do that, right? I had a VP of sales at my last company that wasn't doing very well. So what did I do? I went and I flew 200,000 miles a year for three years and I compensated for having weak leadership. And that ultimately ended up biting me because it, A, it made my work-life balance horrible. B, it allowed me to keep this, this VP of sales that wasn't performing the way that I wanted them to for like two years. And I suffered through that whole thing. And I, and, and my company, my investors benefited, like we grew revenue by two X those two years. Like it was awesome. But at the end of it, I couldn't scale anymore because now I had a weak VP of sales who'd hired weak sales directors and hadn't built good sales process. And so when I needed to step back, we couldn't. And, and so I believe boundaries helped me solve that problem. Now, number two is I also just on that, by the way, it reminds me of an anecdote too, where on, on, when we were growing our company, we went from 850K to 15 million to 56 million, you know, sequentially. Then we had a year where we stalled and by stalled, I mean, 56 million to like 65 million, right? I think that those were the numbers. It was a while ago. And prior to that, I was like, my team is amazing. They've done a great job. And what you realize is no, we were all compensating in the growth and the metrics were hiding all the flaws. We would have grown three times faster had we had a better executive team, had we hadn't gone spent so frivolously because you're growing and you're growing at all costs. And that year I just spent retrenching. I spent, you know, getting like the budgets under control, reducing expenses and turning over a large part of the executive team. They did a great job getting the company to where it's at, but there were a lot of problems with some leaders and replacing them was the right thing to do. And I probably never would have done that had we just continued to grow, grow, grow. And that's what unlocked growth to like three, 400 million in revenues. So totally see that and constraints are actually blessings sometimes. Sometimes, you know, when you, when when there's a a problem, it makes you reevaluate beyond the first order that you see. It's like, what's the next third, fourth level here beyond this problem? And how do we address the root cause? Yep, It, it, it forces you to face the hard truths. And so one of the things that I do is I look at my calendar every week. So one one of my practices kind of in that same vein is I look at what division, what problem am I spending time in? And if I end up spending too much time in a specific area for too long, there's a really clear reason. Either I have the wrong people or I have the people doing the wrong things. And those are really the only two things that can be going on. If it's the wrong people, you know whose fault that is? Mine. If I have the people, right people, but they're doing the wrong things, whose fault is that? Mine. And so then my activities, my actions, my responses are very, very different. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, you asked the question about being a more experienced founder. And again, one man's perspective, this is how I make it work, is that's my primary tool, is my time, and then restructuring either people or roles. And, and that doesn't mean I'm not active. That doesn't mean I'm not talking to my customers. That doesn't mean I'm not engaged in our product development. That doesn't mean I'm not looking at the code. I, I attended a design review yesterday, right? And I still love that. I still engage in that. Um, but I've had to find the balance about how do I get really engaged all the way down, but not fix other people's problems. 
And that combination, I think I really benefit from the experience because as a young founder, it was either I was down in the details and fixing your problems or I was not in the details. And what I love about where I'm at right now, I could literally describe to you what's going on on the circuit boards for our next generation of cameras. I could describe to you what the researchers were doing in the AI. I could describe to you the training that we're doing for our guards as we're bringing up our next tranche of guards in the Philippines. But I'm not making those things my problems. I'm using them to inform the clear boundaries and the objectives of the people to whom I'm delegating the problem. Feels like you're building a system rather than diving in and tactically trying to put puzzle pieces together. You're building a system that reinforces. I'm, I'm trying to. I'm trying to. Uh, the, the second thing that I would say that that as being a more kind of a, an old bald. You know, I would have gray hair if I had hair uh, founder, if only I had gray hair, right? Uh, <laughs> the, the, the other thing that I find that I have that, that I also didn't have when I was younger is I have reserves. So like when, when COVID hit, because I've maintained these boundaries, COVID crushed us. We were raising capital, the venture capital market shut down. Um, we had not hit our growth inflection point. We we're spending a ton on marketing. So when I did need to go take my hand and put it on the freaking wheel and drive for a year, I had the capability to do that because I'm working 50 to 60 hour weeks most of the time. And I, I was able to dial it up to 90 hour weeks for nine months. And, you know, that's not what I wanted to do. That's not what the plan was. Like nobody planned for COVID or at least most of us didn't, um, uh, certainly our government didn't, uh, <laughs> as we observed, uh, or our governments, the world's governments didn't, um, but I had reserves. And so one of the, the things that, you know, my investors were, were commenting on like, you know, Sally, like you don't need to do this. This is crazy. We, we actually did a recap last year. Like we, we did hardcore work in 2020. And I was at 85 to 95 hours a week for nine months. And, that was exhausting, but it wasn't horrible. It was something that- you, you had the energy just, to sprint. I, it wasn't a constant sprint where you're operating. And I know what that's bingo. like, where you're, you're burnt out, bingo. but you're somehow just, you know, you're putting in the hours and you're ineffective, but you have to, just to maintain, just to maintain now yeah. what normal is. During that time, you've taught your organization that they can get away with being inefficient or that you're always going to be around to fix problems. And you yourself don't realize you're getting in your own company's way versus realizing like, I have some reserves, I have to dive in here, but I'm gonna dive in and try to get out as fast as I can. And of course, none of us predicted COVID would last as long as it has. Yeah, and, and, and so I think that was, you know, again, one, one man's perspective, we, we, we came out of it. I think a lot of people that went into that mode didn't come out of it as well, right? Um, and whether that's because of me or that's because we had an amazing product or that's because I had an amazing team, probably all of those things, right? Like you, you said it earlier that, you can increase your odds of being lucky. So we were definitely lucky. Like we found our niche. I went from a customer acquisition cost at the beginning of COVID of $1,200. Our customer acquisition cost this last quarter, Zane, less than $75. And the customers are five times bigger, right? So we we got really lucky. Our outcomes were, I mean, and our growth rate went from doubling to tripling to quadrupling, right? Like we, we really hit a chord that I'm so blessed that we got to hit. Um, but part of that, you know, I will take a little bit of credit was that I made sure we had a great team. I made sure that we knew what delegation was. I made sure that I wasn't burning my team out. We were working all working 60 hours, 70 hours, 80 hour weeks 
going into COVID and we didn't crush everyone in COVID. Um, I made sure that we over communicated, right? So we, as we went into COVID, my favorite thing about building a startup is building a team. It's building a culture. It's building uh, a belief system that we're, we're making a dent in the world. One of the neat things about Deep Sentinels, we, we are actually making a dent in the world and that dent freaking matters, right? We're not making a calculator for tax for international e-commerce that, you know, to all respect to the companies that did that, like, and do that and have billion dollar valuations like buoy to you. But in 10 years, no one's going to give a crap about that. No, you, right? you, need, you need a mission. And this comes back to sort of how we got onto this topic. You, you need a mission that empowers your soul. And that's what will give you the energy to stick by it. And also your employees as well. When you work yeah. on a company that has such a powerful social mission, people care about it. It's not just let's improve revenues. It's we have customers, we have homes regarding, we, we need to make sure we can continue to offer this must have product to others, you know? Um, Amen. Yeah, I mean, you know, in the midst, I, I read TechCrunch, you know, off and on. I read, I've read every TechCrunch funding announcement for the last three months, just because we're, we're going into a fundraising mode. So I just want to kind of get it, re-engage myself in the funding environment. And the number of companies that look like what I just described, like, a, you know, the, the company raising $100 million to help people compute derivative taxes for an e-commerce site for pets only, um, raising $100 million on a billion dollar valuation. Like, that's really hard to compete with because like, you know, it took no effort to build, it's got very low cost and there's a ton of demand for it. But at the end of the day, what we have that's really unique is through all these ups and downs, we have incredibly low employee churn. We have incredibly low employee churn. We have dedicated employees who work their tails off because we all know when we wake up in the morning, when we go to our all hands every Monday, we watch these videos together of us stopping somebody's car from being stolen, us saving someone's life, us calling the police when someone falls, or sorry, calling the ambulance when somebody falls down and hurts themselves in the front of their house. We, the dent that we're making is a mission that every single one of us is gonna be proud of and remember for the rest of our lives. The other neat thing that I, that I mentioned too, that, that in the midst of that, we also did some business stuff that was really cool. Like we went from a business that had a CAC, a customer acquisition cost of over a thousand dollars. Our gross margins were you know, not so good. Um, and our growth rate was okay, but really difficult to a business whose growth rate has exploded. Our CAC is now, less than one month payback. Our average customer is massive and our gross margins are phenomenal um, over the course of a year because I was able to, we were able to as a team, attack each of the problems that we had aggressively because we had that sense of togetherness. Um, let me give you an example. On just the customer acquisition side, we knew that we had to rewrite our customer acquisition because we have such a revolutionary product, right? Like we're the only company that does this. We shouldn't have to pay so much to acquire customers. We should be able to do that pretty darn organically, right? Like people shouldn't be running at us, which they are now. Um, and so I knew that a thousand dollar CAC, while that was okay and it was great and we we're paying it back, there was a better version. So we literally over that last 18 months, we ran experiments for three months, ran them to ground, cut every single one of them, use them to inform the next three months, and then restart it. Which anyone, any job to take work and dedicate your brain to it, work your tail off for three months, and then have somebody say, cool, we're gonna take this, and this is gonna be the input into the next chunk of work, but we're stopping everything you did, because it, it didn't fail. It, it, it succeeded in getting us data, but it's not the answer. We were able to do that every three months for the last 18 months, rigorously so that we could be ruthless in finding the customer acquisition strategy 
that got us to three, four plus X growth and very low customer acquisition cost because we knew that was possible and we believed in each other and we knew that it was worth doing. And, and there's no way we could have done that without this incredibly deep sense of mission and a commitment and, and the belief that what we were doing was an amazing product. So, so just trying to kind of reinforce your story about mission. As I look at that experience as awesome again, as, as maybe the launch of Redfin was an instant success, this is almost more almost I don't know, not, not necessarily comparative but like it's it's rewarding in a fundamentally different way it is a deep 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 investment that came from our you know from our souls and our energy and has a wildly rewarding output i think that's a, a wonderful note to uh, end on i'm sure our listeners can feel that passion you know coming out of the audio uh, and that, that's genuine and that's because th that's the outcome. When you do something you're passionate about, you're in your state of flow and that's when you can build great products and, and put in that energy when needed. Well, David, it's been wonderful having you on the show. Quickly, how can any of our listeners reach you and are there any types of companies or listeners that you would love to engage with further to advance what you're doing at Deep Sentinel? Sure. So, uh, I mean, obviously we are just starting to really crush the multi-tenant residential. So you've got a bunch of, of prop tech folks that are listening to this. You know, we can protect everything from uh, multi-tenant residential to warehouses and, and uh, retail malls, uh, cannabis dispensaries and cannabis warehouses. We do all of that um, phenomenally. And, 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 it, and so all of those folks, Deep Sentinel it has an answer for you. And, it, and I promise you without exception and without qualification, uh, it'll be better than anything else you can get period full stop uh so to get in touch with us and prove that to yourself how about this i just said those words how about you take i'll challenge you to spit take three minutes and go to the deep sentinel youtube channel and that will prove it to you we produce a video every single week called our stop series on the deep sentinel youtube channel and it just shows our you know five ten best crime stops of the week whether it's uh, a bear from vandalizing a property or homeless people or an aggressive assault or like a planned burglary with guys in masks and crowbars and weapons. We stop all of those things. And uh, and so I encourage you to go take a look there. The other thing you can do if you're interested in hearing more of me pontificating about the universe, uh, you can follow me on LinkedIn. I'm publishing more content there on a regular basis. Um, or you can go to our website, deepsentinel.com and, and learn about us there. But my favorite place to point you is the Deep Sentinel YouTube station because that's where we get a chance to shine. That's where we show us doing our stuff and stopping criminals in their tracks. Great. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Dane, it's been awesome. Thank you, man. 